Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 52. Tonight's show is brought to you by Heatwave, because it's hotter than a bitch. And right now, Andrew's going to release or insert a previously recorded clip. My balls got hot, Joe. <laughs> I understand. As that was also something that I did, I left a pause there so she could put it in, but then I talked about it so it's not smooth, because uh, it was hot as hell before, and I used that as a joke doing a test recording, and um, now it's hot as hell again, because it's summertime, and uh, it's hot as shit, and I don't, there's no politics or global warming denial or appraise here, or affirmation. Climate I mean. change. Yeah, whatever. My point being is the whole country is setting like the whole world is is setting heat records right now, and my we're gonna balls get are some hot. asshole that emails in. Not in. I don't give a such shit. and Fuck such you. such place. Fuck you! An overwhelming majority of the world <laughs> is hotter than usual right now. Fight me. Moving on. Moving on. I'm eating cake, and it's amazing. I think I ate all the bites of cake, though. I did. I ate all the bites of cake, so I was eating cake. But before I ramble about me. I need to talk about our patrons. We have our super secret 999er. I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, At $10, we have Zach, Will, Wednesday Adams, Tom, The Real Matthew, Ty, Scott, Sam, Phil, Yo, Huang, Parker, Nick, Cole, Nick, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Leland, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, Jamie, Jake, Green Giant, ho, ho, ho. Gordon, G-Man, Frank, Ezra Trilogy, Evan, Clayton, Brian, Brad, Bill, Alec, AJ, Aaron, and then... Our 14 Australian yeah, dollars our, per month. Would be our, 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 yeah, $14 Australian a month would be uh, Lead Out Sports and Josh from the Intesa. And? And Dean Fleming. God, they're all from, they got to know each other. Australia's not that big. Yeah. I mean, there are three mountain bikers in Australia. They know each other. Sure. Um, then at 20, we have Troy, Six Pack Outdoors, Ryan, Michael, Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, Fordable Trail Solutions, who will be coming up again later in this show. And then at $30 a month, we have Harley. And with all that, we're going to talk about what we've been doing. And remember, class, we recorded on Saturday, which was unusual. And now we're recording on Wednesday. It's which Wednesday, my dudes. Now we're recording on Wednesday, which is not that far from Saturday, so we probably won't have too terribly much to talk about, I'm guessing. That's where I was going with that. And then Andrea made a Simpsons joke. (laughs) So, does that mean I go? I'll go. Today is, well... It's still Wednesday, my dudes. It's Wednesday. Jesus, I don't know what days are anymore. You did the uh, Fooses thing today, which was cool. Yeah, but I wanted to talk about that last. Two days back, whatever day that was, Monday I did a mega stupid ride before work. And by stupid, I mean I did hill repeats because I would like to be able to pedal hard again. So I did almost three, well, I did 3,000 feet of climbing before work, which, quick side note, if you want to make your day long as hell, (laughs) you want to experience two days in one, do like a hard ride before work and then work all day where it's probably like 80 something degrees in your house because it's hot as hell and we don't have air conditioning. Yeah, I mean, all these old houses in Colorado were built before climate change existed or was being, I don't know, was as bad as it is now. 
Or even just when people didn't stay home all day and could work from home. Like, I don't think when this house was built, people even lived here. I think this was like a cabin. Sure. So, my point being, that was a really long day. And then yesterday, was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, Andrea and I, so I got to do a real recovery ride from the house, which is hard to do. I rode from the house to the river, and she drove from the house to the river. And I put my bike in the car, I put a beer in my hand, and my ass in the river. And that was awesome. Then we had dinner. And then today I did a pretty hard mountain bike ride. So something that Andrea would do often, which is up north fooses. I haven't done it that much. I. It's a very Andrea ride. It is a very Andrea ride. But you go up, you park on Highway 50, where the Colorado Trail crosses Highway 50. You ride up the North Fooses Access Road, which is like an admin, like power line service road. And then you hop on the crest. You ride a couple of miles of the crest and drop South Fooses Trail, which is the Colorado Trail proper, back down to the highway. And and if anyone out there is listening, this is just a PSA. If you want to ride to Monarch Crest, which some people do, and you aren't sure how to do that without just riding on Highway 50 the entire way. Call your girl. Please contact me and let me tell you how to do it. Because you can definitely get to Monarch Crest with very little riding on Highway 50. Yeah, minimal. I mean, you could do it with zero. Depending on how hard you want to make your ride, you can do it with none. Right. So are, are you planning on doing any Colorado Trail spectating this year? I don't know. It's really hard because we're so we're so far from the start that people can be separated by like days. This yeah, we're kind of at the halfway here. point here. So yeah, like people are like all the people racing Colorado Trail that start with the mass start, they're I don't know, like they could finish a week apart by the time they get to Denver. So here they're so spread out that it's it's a little bit hard to track. How many people would you say finished? Do you have any idea? I don't know, but Six. the mass start, um, I just saw Hefe Branham, who's kind of running the whole thing, is he posted in their Facebook group that the mass start is full. Which is 74 riders. Yeah, so everyone else, anyone else who wants to do it now and hasn't entered it in that, um, I don't know what they have to do. I know they'll be an, in an individual time trial, but... I don't know if they have how long they have to wait. Like well, I don't know what spacing they have to have off of everyone else. I know personally the way that I would approach that is I would leave first. Meaning, no, I'm not riding with that group and just wasn't ready when they left. I left before them. You know what I mean? Like if you want to get down into the nitty gritty, like I left before they did. So I'm not a part of that group. It's probably an easier argument than... Well, I'm just really far behind them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it just kind of depends on how fast you're going to go, too. If you're super slow, I wouldn't do that because you're going to have all the other racers, like, screaming past you. I mean, not really, but that's kind of like glaciers passing each other when you're talking about bikepacking speeds. Oh, shit. Can we talk about glaciers passing each other today? We just did. Or, yeah, I didn't make an English sentence there. (laughs) Speaking of glaciers passing each other... Today, when I hopped on the crest, you just start going uphill, which is fine. Um, I was going up, 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 not thinking anything about it. I I forgot my headphones today. I'm wearing zero headphones. And I'm like, 
there's motorcycles coming. Cool. And I'm like, yep, there's motorcycles for sure. Alrighty. I'm on the lookout for motorcycles. And I'm like, you know, if I ride the good line, I'll be going fast and they'll kick more rocks at me potentially. If I ride the bad line, I can give them the good line and they can just zoom right on by. No harm, no foul. No one gives a shit, right? No. And if you're out there, fuck you. Fuck this person. (laughs) Because there was a pack of six motorcycles that caught us. And I say us because I'm like, yeah, there's motorcycles coming. Like, And this is over the span of like a few minutes. And when I look to see, are they getting close? Because there was a really good tow down spot. And if they had been like right there, I was just going to tow down and let them all zoom by. There's a person running. And this person's running on my rear wheel and hasn't said a word to me. So I go, morning. And I move over. And they run past. Now, I'm in the right-hand... This is kind of double track. I'm in the right-hand track where, you know, it's kind of hard to ride. And the runner won't move over. So now the motorcycles are just stuck going the pace of the runner that was going barely faster than me. So I smelled exhaust and, like, rode in the pack of them because I'm like, well... This is two track wide. There's room for all of us. Why didn't you just pull over and stop and let everyone go for like 30 seconds? No, the The problem was is the, the group of motorcycles was really spread out. Oh, yeah. And there was like six of them. So it was like a person would come by, but then they would get caught behind the dude running. And like the next one would come by. And like, so the, the chain really like tightened up or like the group really tightened up as they accordioned and jammed up behind the runner who wouldn't move. <laughs> and then we get to an intersection and I'm like, God, I haven't ridden up here recently and I just want to like check the map real quick. So like as I pull up, I just tell the dude, I'm like, I'm going to check my map. And he just scowls at me and runs off down the trail. Doesn't say a word, like barely acknowledges me and runs off. And then I see him again later when he's like turning around in his run and I'm like, have a good day. And he's like, hmm. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Maybe he wasn't having a good day. If Have th- you ever seen anybody running that was having a good time? I sure haven't. <laughs> this dude was fast as hell. He was fit. He was running at 11,000 feet, and he was wearing earbuds. I know that sunglasses. if I was running and I saw someone on a cool mountain bike passing, I'd be like, oh, Fuck, no, no, that looks he way was cooler. running faster and then you see, than me. And then you see motorcycles go by you, and you're like, oh, man, those would be really fun. And you're not doing either of those things? I'd be bummed out, too. <laughs> this guy was fast as shit. He was running at 11,000 well, feet. Well, the, the High Lonesome 100, there's a 100-mile race this weekend, so that might have been his like tune-up run. My point being, if you're running at 11,000 feet and you're not wearing a shirt... You probably are good enough to know how to be fucking polite. So fuck you. That guy really rubbed me the wrong way. Like he obviously ran up behind me and was frustrated that I didn't move. But he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And it was double track. He could have just went around me because he was going way faster than me. I was like 30, 50 and up this climb just like. (laughs) And Jesus, I don't know why people are so awful. Um (laughs) I don't know if that qualifies as awful. Uh, that just qualifies the, as like his kind demeanor of a dick move. and everything was just like 
Like we're in the most beautiful place you can imagine. Let me, I'm gonna back that up. We're in the most beautiful green place you can imagine. Because like you look out and the landscape's green. Like you go out to where it is with Kenny, or you go out to like the desert where it's like brown. That's a different kind of pretty. But like, I'd say the prettiest green place you could be. And this guy's just like all scowls and no like quick hand waves. I'm. I don't on know. A- I don't feel like you have to wave at everyone and be full of like sunshine and unicorns, but. Running up behind someone on double track. If you're on foot and you, you're going faster than a cyclist and you're on double track, you're a pansy if you don't just run around them and just take like a little bit of a harder line. Also, how many people were like really out there that day? There was a bunch. Okay, so There's I saw. There's a bunch of people up there. I saw six motorcycles. Oh, Matt's writing it down. So you can, Let's see. You can ride on. motorcycles on the crest? On this section, you can, yes. Yeah, you can ride motorcycles from So that there. really popular section that everyone talks about, can you ride motorcycles there? That is, yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, you can ride motorcycles from basically Old Monarch Pass, which is a little bit on the other side of Highway 50 from the traditional Monarch Crest route. You can ride from Old Monarch Pass to... Gosh, all the way through Sergeant's Mesa on motorcycle. There's one section on the traditional Monarch Crest route where you, on a bike, you take single track. On a motorcycle, you would, it's like splits. On a motorcycle, you go right. And on a bike, you would go left. And you're on some double track for a motorcycle. But other than that, yeah, the whole route is uh, moto legal. So when I'm there, should we ride that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. I saw 20, let's say including myself, there was probably easily 25, 26 people out there today. And you I rode saw. like six miles of the crest, the Monarch Crest Trail. If even that much. Yeah. It wasn't much. So six mountain bikers, including me. Sorry, six motorcycles, five bikers, including me. And then just some quick math, like roughly 15 people hiking. Also, some super aggressive hiker came up to me today. And I just wanted to ask her why the hell she thought this was my problem, um, but I didn't. And I know this is starting to sound like if everyone you ran into was a dick, you're the dick. But I talked to lots of other really nice people, but none of the people on foot were being, most of the people on foot were being not nice today. We're, I'm sitting there talking to some other mountain bikers. They're going to go one way. I'm going to go another. And they're just shooting the breeze. And I'm at like the Fooses intersection. Yeah. And I'm waiting to drop into Fooses and there's a, you can probably see, I don't know what, almost a half mile of the trail. Yeah, probably. You, you're at the very top ridgeline of this basin and the trail just plummets down into this basin and it's, they're actually rerouting the trail because it's just a, it's not fun. Yeah. It's an unsustainable grade. It's just a shoot of straight down rocks. I think, I think it's kind of fun. It's steep enough that I did a large portion of it with one foot out. You know, you're clipped in, you take a foot out, and you're kind of like paddling down the side of the trail with your foot because it's so washed out that you can put a foot down, but your foot's like level with your pedal still. I was like doing that down it because... Yeah, that's fine. You know what? I fucked up. I haven't ridden that trail in four years, and I went one mile an hour too fast in, and however fast you enter that trail, that's how fast you go down. Yeah, that's how fast you, you go the whole way if down. If you want to go three miles an hour down it, you got to enter it three miles an hour. I entered it four, and I was stuck going four miles an hour on like two inches of 
golf ball sized rocks that were just shit mixing around under my wheels while I'm trying to go down this shit. <laughs> I love how you use shit mixing like a little bit off every time you say it. I love it because it just it just it's a mood. It's not a. We're gonna meaning. lose our Australian patrons. Cunts. Um. So I'm like. I'm waiting to drop into Fusas because I can see there's people, right? Yeah, you can see when people are hiking up, you don't want to drop in because it's it's such a, I don't know, it's such a shit show of a section of trail that if someone is hiking up with a big backpack and stuff, they can't really get out of your way and you can't really avoid them easily. Like It's just easier and you can see so far to just sit there at the top for five minutes and wait for someone to get out of that section of trail if they're backpacking up so this lady walks up she's like have you seen mike from michigan and i'm like what (laughs) she's like mike from michigan he's hiking have you seen him i don't believe so which way was he coming from because there's some people down there no he's on the colorado trail well that's the colorado trail no the colorado trail makes a loop here and he was on the other section of the colorado trail she want to be like well, bitch, why don't you uh, call him on your inReach or something? Because last I checked, when we left camp this morning, I wasn't in charge of Mike. Like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, and I was talking with other people, and like, she like kind of huffs off, and they all looked around and like looked at me. They all knew each other and looked at me. They're like, I, I don't know what just happened. Like, <laughs> like they didn't actually say that, but they kind of had that look of like, what the fuck. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, we're 20 minutes in and I've just been complaining about foot sport people all morning or all day. I'll show. I'll well, show. for all, all you minutes. know, she encountered someone else on the trail and they're like, hey, when you find a really lanky guy on a mountain bike, like he knows exactly where Mike is. And then, <laughs> so she finds said dude and then you're just like, what the, who the fuck's Mike? And she's like, God damn it, you know exactly who Mike is. Maybe. <laughs> but like, so those hikers came up and I'm like, hey, anyone behind you? And they're like, yeah, one lady. And I'm like, is she close? And they're like, nope, probably not. And I'm like, cool. By the way, what's her name? And they're like, Daya. And I'm like, great. Because when I see her, I'm going to go, hey, Daya, have a good hike. And they're like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and I dropped in. And like two miles later, I see this lady hiking. And they were like, she's in a great mood. And I see this lady <laughs> hiking, and she's like. Smiling and hiking. Yeah, there's like all but fucking glitter exploding off this lady. As she's just walking down the trail, she's so excited. And like a rainbow like fell out of her ass. You could tell. <laughs> was she in the wildflowers yet? Because that, that... Above them. Okay. She was above yeah, the yeah, wildflowers. That, if you go through that wildflower section, like if you don't smile when you do that, then you're, I don't know, you probably have a wind chime made out of kneecaps. And I see this lady and I'm like, you must be Daya. And she goes, yeah, you betcha. Have a good one. And that's how it's supposed to go on the trail. That's my point. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> Every episode. This is a new segment in. called Old Man Yells at Cloud. Old Man Yells at Cloud. And You're in the just... most beautiful place in this part of the country, and you insist on being a dick. You had all the options in the world. And I saw something really funny on the internet, and I'll end there, which is it doesn't cost anything to be nice. And the rebuttal is how much does it cost to be a dickhead? Because that's cheap? also free. <laughs> yeah, that it's free is to be true. a dickhead. Don't cost nothing. You can just be an ass. So that's true. Keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. So well, I encountered I, I encountered plenty of nice people over the weekend. Where I were did, you? Did some motorcycling in American Fork Canyon. 
And I think pretty much everyone I met was like pretty nice. There were some people that couldn't really handle some motorcycles in a sketchy section, but that's not really anybody's fault. Um, I they mean, were... having a bad time is different than not being nice. Yeah. Because if you're having yeah. a bad time, then you're having a bad time. But one one hiker I came across in you know a pretty high portion of the trail, not really any of the people around, and he was like super nice. He was like, man, is that one of those electric motorcycles? I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> He's like, those look really fucking cool. I'm like, yeah, they are really cool. Uh, <laughs> you want to ride it? <laughs> then he rides off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I, yeah, a bunch of other random people hiking, and they're all like usually pretty curious about what a Suron is. And yeah, everyone was super, super nice. One person, I, they were coming down the trail and I was going up the trail and they were hiking, uh, you know, and they were doing kind of like, you know, it's steep enough that they're kind of sidestepping. And I, sure. and I can see plainly up there, like it's an easy line of sight on this ridge trail. So I just like pull over and I'm like, you should come through. He's like, oh man, no one, no one has ever pulled over for me. I'm like, well, that's fucked up because that's not the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just thought it was weird. He was very happy that I stopped. Yeah. And like I ran into another lady and I totally forgot about this because you only remember the bad experiences. Right. But like I was looking around. and I'm like, man, it's like really pretty here. And I should stop and take a picture. And I was like, ah, it's kind of windy. And I'm like a tiny bit sweaty. So I'm almost cold. And then I go around the corner and there's like two people hiking my way. And like one of the, the first person steps off the trail. And I was like, no, you come through. And I like pulled over and I like got my phone out and I was like, I needed to take a picture anyways. And the lady was like, well, that's a great idea. And it's like, yeah, it's not hard. Yeah. People are awesome. Unless they're not. <laughs> unless they're not. So anyway, Andrea, what have you been doing? I, I did the Foose's loop first. I think that's where Matt got the idea. I did that on Sunday. So the day after we recorded last, I went out and did that. I actually felt pretty good. Amazingly. I mean, I, I guess I've been doing some enough riding that my fitness is a little bit better than it was at the start of the spring summertime. And yeah, I did. So this, this loop is really good if you're looking for just like a taste of Monarch Crest and say you don't want a shuttle or you can't get a shuttle or you, I don't know, you don't have the amount of time it takes to ride Monarch Crest and work out the logistics. So you start like Matt said, where the Colorado Trail crosses, it crosses Highway 50 twice. There's a lower crossing and an upper crossing because as the hiker that he was talking to said, the Colorado Trail makes a loop right here. It actually makes a gigantic loop because it's the collegiate peaks section of the Colorado Trail. And the bottom part of that loop is at the trail intersection where Foose's Creek South which is the descent of the loop that I did and that Matt did, uh, where it leaves the uh, Monarch Crest Trail. You can look at it on a map. It makes, makes way more sense than me trying to explain it on the uh, microphone. But So you start at the lower Highway 50 crossing, and you take this access road. There are signs that say North Foose's Creek Trail, which is the one that you want to climb up because it's double track. There's a little hike-a-bike, and you get to... The Monarch Crest Trail. It's about seven or so miles from the highway you get to the Monarch Crest Trail. And that's how, by the way, if you are trying to ride to Monarch Crest, I can tell you how to ride to that spot on Highway 50 without using very much of Highway 50. And then you would get on North Foose's Creek and ride up to Monarch Crest. Anyway, you get to Monarch Crest, you ride, I guess, 
four-ish miles, four to five miles of Monarch Crest, and then you ride back down South Fooses Creek, which is single track and really cool. It's like three-quarter track. Yeah, it's it's really, in some spots, it's really narrow, really off-camber, really muddy. Really overgrown. Yeah, it's it definitely, it's in kind of this almost like riparian area, and they're going to, at the end of the summer, they're going to build a new trail that follows the ridge line above that really steep and muddy section and drops in a little lower below the basin so you avoid all that muddy spot. I mean, it's not just cyclists. People hike it. People ride horses through there. It just, it's too moist to handle a lot of traffic. So, yeah, I mean, it, it needs the reroute. A lot of people are unhappy about it because it is a very challenging section of trail. It's somewhat technical. It's slippery. You know, you don't get a lot of slippery routes here in Colorado, but that... No, you do not. I have no idea how to ride those anymore. Also, <laughs> I think after about s- six minutes into that descent, my shot got hot because, one, I don't know how to ride slick stuff. Two, my shock didn't feel that great and three there's no side knob left on my tire so i (laughs) rode like a bag of dicks coming down that and it turned out it was i mean i've only done it one other time but it's still the fastest i've done it so yeah yeah i mean it's it's a difficult section of trail but once you get past that part it starts to get a little bit more flowy a little bit more open but you know it's it's a popular section of trail for lots of different trails users so you know, you kind of got to watch out for that part. But yeah, that's what I did on Sunday. And then I went Monday night out to the ghost town of Hancock. And I did some scouting for mule deer because that's one of the areas that's covered by my archery tag I have for this September for mule deer. So it was a very successful trip. I also saw a bunch of elk. I got charged by two mule deer fawns which was amazing. I was kind of, uh, Monday evening, I was hiking in from about three miles away from the car, and I was trying to kind of outrun this thunderstorm that was coming in, what's new, and I see way up ahead of me these two animals in the trail. I'm like, oh, it's someone with some dogs, because they're like bouncing around and stuff, and I get a little closer, and it's these two deer fawns, Tell the story. You whipped out your binos like a real hunting dude. I did. When I when it was a long way away, I I actually I looked at I I got my binoculars out and I looked and I'm like, that's not dogs, that's deer. That's cool. And I kept walking towards them. And at one point, they just turned. I didn't ever see the mom. They turned and ran straight at me down the trail, just straight at me. I was like, it's gonna run into me. Like this thing is literally going to make contact with me. <laughs> And they just stopped dead about six feet away. I mean, so close. I could have reached out and poked one with a hiking pole. And it stopped and just stared at me like, oh my God, what the hell are you? I mean, that's why deer have so many babies is because they're just, they're dumb. Like if I'd been a bear or a mountain lion, I would have been like, fuck yeah, here's dinner and just grabbed it. It's dinner time. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that was really cool. Um, I didn't get struck by lightning, which is really cool. That's always a good time. And I saw a herd of bull elk. And then the next day I saw the same herd in the, in a, like close to that area. 
I saw a lot of mule, mule deer does. I saw some pretty big mule deer bucks also. So that was nice. I It was really good because I've kind of, my scouting trips have been during the day up until this time. This time I went out in the evening and then woke up at 4 a.m. and went out at sunrise. And it really turned out well. So I, I saw lots of deer. I mean, whether or not I'll be able to successfully hunt those deer is a whole nother ball of wax, but I know that they're there. I kind of know what their pattern is. I, I mean, I have like a better idea now than I did before I went. So pretty happy about that. So that's been my since we last recorded. Is it time for Lake? Oh, I have one more story from the today on the trail. You could pull up questions while I told it. Well, we were going to do new shit that we might hate. Oh, sure. I ran into a stick today. <laughs> oh, yeah. And on the bottom of my YT, there's some of that like clear protectant, like clear brawl type stuff. You know, it's just stickers. Um, it came from YT and stabbed through the clear brawl and then broke off is a piece of stick. So it didn't go into the frame, I don't think. I haven't pulled it out yet because I wanted to take a picture of it and I was just tied up. I was I didn't have time to fuck with it right then, but I was like, yeah, that's a stick that jammed into my clear protector and then broke off. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. I ain't never seen that before. Yeah. All right, what new shit do we probably hate? I know you guys were talking about stuff before we started and I uh, have not. Let's talk about that hub. I hate that hub. The three by three nine hub, it's internally geared. It's five hundred and fifty four percent. Okay. Uh, but it only has nine speeds, so the shifts are gigantic in it, which is my Ooh. nemesis. And they claim oh, it's got sliding. Oh no, that's the bike. Um, I just it's got on a karate oh. monkey. Of course, it's on a it's a surly of some oh. flavor. They claim it needs no maintenance. Um, they also claim you can shift it under full load, which I don't know how, but yeah. But it weighs more than a roll-off, so I'm not the target customer. I don't think I'll ever ride one. With that said, that's enough of the hub for me. Yeah. I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. I just saw the thing I was actually interested in, and I scrolled away from it. Oh, here we go. Fox sues SRAM over bleed valves on RockShox suspension forks. That's pretty wild. I had read the headline and then forgot to read the article. Um <laughs> I mean, what motorcycle company can, can now sue Fox for using bleeder valves on their fork? I know bleeder valve is a, a thing. It's not something that Fox came up with. I, I think mean, they in, say that you know, it's a if you do it like but. on a mountain bike and where you locate them, I think on most motorcycles they actually put them in like the uh, like in the top cap, like the air cap. Yeah, yeah. there's just not room. And also, that's that's venting a different air, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's actually like, I know they make for kind of old school, so not upside down motorcycle forks. They are usually super like open cartridge. And I think they put bleeders on those for the actual like damper side of things. And like a lot of times those forks are going to be dampers on both sides and springs on both sides. So... Yeah, I don't really know. Someone did comment that the MRP ribbon had them on, had bleeders before uh, the Fox Fork did. I don't know. Yeah, if that's Fox accurate. probably knew they didn't have any money. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know anything legal. 
I just know that a year from now, you're going to be able to buy SRAM forks with bleeders. Yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably what it is, they're just going to have to pay a licensing. That would be my guess. Like, if they lost, that would probably be the worst thing that would happen. Yeah, probably. So next year, when you see your model year 2024 Fox and RockShox products cost a little bit more, you can thank (laughs) their legal teams for that. Yeah. There you go. That's the real takeaway here. I think you were correct. Is there anything else that we hate or Um, don't hate? I think so. There was the FSA 12-speed, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the FSA Wii 12? Not weed with the D. Yeah, we. Like, we are recording a podcast. We launched a 12-speed group. We have semi-wireless shifting. The Nintendo Wii? uh, No, that's Wii with two eyes. This is Wii. With W-E. Yeah, but um, I don't think I've ever heard anyone pronounce it the way you just did. People say Nintendo Wii. <laughs> no, it's Wii. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the cousin of Cool Whip. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I The 11-speed stuff was, was, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, abhorrent, despicable. FSA 11-speed? Yeah, the FSA 11-speed electronic group, you... You had to, I'm trying to think of the right way to word this succinctly. You, a shift had to be completed before the next shift could be initiated. So you couldn't be like, click, 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 click. You had to be like, click, chunk, click, chunk, click, chunk, click, chunk. Like it, it shifted really slow. It wasn't quick. So the biggest takeaway is their marketing's like, this is faster. And it's like, cool. The new Civic is faster than the old one. It's still not fast. You know, it's or the, the, not to pick on Civics, but you know what I mean. Like, it's it's not, being faster doesn't mean that it's competitive, I think is a different way to word it. So Yeah, sure. This, on their website, this is Wii 11-speed. Did you say it was 12-speed? Well, of course they didn't update their website yet. <laughs> Why would you launch a product and update your website at the same time? I mean, I might have just found an old page. Hold on. What do you think, Kenny? Are you excited about putting this on customers' bikes because you know that you're going to have like a huge outpouring of people wanting this? <laughs> uh, no. You're not excited or you don't think you're going to have an outpouring? Both. Okay. Yeah, I can't find it on there. It's th- So they just released this, and I'm guessing it's it's just not on their website. Why isn't it? It's not like front and center on their website. I don't know that you can buy it yet. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't. Tell but they're you. talking about it. Yeah. So. Well, they're not talking about it on their website. It doesn't exist in yeah. my world. Yeah. Do we want to stick with electronic shifting groups for drop bars and answer a listener question? Yeah. So this is from Nick I, who is one of our patrons. He asked this in Slack. This is a follow up. Uh, we had talked about how what he should do for gearing on his Salsa Fargo that he's riding in the front range. Oh, he was the one thinking about the ratio kit. Okay, I remember this now. So he was looking at the ratio 12-speed upgrade kit, and we told him, no, just go ahead and go full-on 12-speed robots. And his follow-up is that a buddy at his work was able to give him a screaming deal on the robots. So he's got full electric on the Fargo, rival axis controllers with hydro brakes, and a GX axis derailleur. New question, how hard is the brake bleed 
and install on the rival brakes. I've bled my Shimano mountain bike brakes a bunch, but don't have any of the SRAM stuff. Is it worth it to invest in the equipment and do it myself, or should I just pay a shop to do it? How frequently do people end up bleeding brakes on gravel bikes? They bleed them once a week if they don't follow the instructions when they bleed them. <laughs> SRAM does have very good instructions. They have both text and video instructions that are very well written and easy to follow. And if you follow those instructions, most of the time everything turns out great. So, you know, it depends on how good you are at following instructions is really it. You know, if you just if you're just going to like get some syringes out and just go for it because you know, you just want to do that? I don't know. Yeah, if you want to drink like four beers and just squish some fluid around and call it good, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, exactly. But if you pull up their whatever, either video or text, I like text instructions, honestly, just personally, because I don't like to have to pause a video while I'm doing a step. So I can, you know, read a step and do it and then read a step and do it. I, that's just how I operate. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's really that hard, but I've bled a lot of brakes, so, you know. I don't think it's hard, and I haven't bled a lot of brakes. Now, Andrea did help me set up my Diverge, but that was more based on time than ability. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you can bleed a mountain bike SRAM brake, you can bleed the road version of it just fine. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, if you've never, if all you've done is Shimano, it is different than that. So, you know, that's not super relevant other than you're just trying to get all of the air out. That's what's similar. But the way that you do that is definitely different when you use the SRAM stuff. Kenny, anything to add to that? Nah, I mean, it's it's pretty basic. I wouldn't overthink yeah. it. You're going to need to buy the kit. That's the biggest thing is do you want yeah. to invest in the kit? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tough call if you plan on doing for a long time, if you plan on doing bicycle things for a long time, it's probably good to have those because I'm not saying that a SRAM bleed kit won't change over time, but like the syringes for SRAM haven't changed in 20 years. So really just a couple of little fittings changed and like, that's about it. So basically I wouldn't be too scared about buying some syringes. You can always repurpose them for other stuff. I got syringes that are like lower fork leg oil, um, yep. all kinds of stuff. So like I wouldn't be too concerned about it. I think it's probably worth it just to buy the kit. Yeah. And I think Park is making a kit as well. And I don't know if it's a little bit less expensive or you know, what the difference is because I haven't needed to buy a bleed kit in a very long time. Yeah, there's there's or a Jaguar kit. Jaguar. Yeah, Jaguar makes a really nice kit. Uh, I've used their stuff. It's pretty quality. I haven't actually used the Park stuff, I don't think. I'm sure it's fine. The SRAM stuff is fine. I'd probably just go ahead and get the Pro Bleed kit. I probably wouldn't get the cheapy. It's like a yeah. 10 or $20 difference. Like it's $80 versus 100 or something like that. Just buy the nicer syringes. It's yep. worth it. They they just have, I don't know, Like I feel like the suction's a little bit better. I think They're it, also rebuildable. Know, the they come tolerance. with O-rings. Yep. Shut up, Matt. Suction. Good, good, strong suction always yeah. makes you happy. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I was going to say is whatever kit you do go for, make sure that it is serviceable. 
But that actually on a consumer level, if you're going to bleed your brakes once a year, that probably doesn't matter. If you are in a shop situation where you use the bleed kit almost every day or several times a day even, having it rebuildable is pretty important. The only thing that'll happen... They're they're wear parts. You know, they're rubber and they move against plastic over and over and over. It wears eventually and then you don't get good suction. (laughs) Those little clear hoses (laughs) get rigor mortis. That's about it. Oh, I'm going to give you one tip. This is from the pro man himself. The day that you're, you open your bleed kit, remove the rubber hose, cut it exactly in half, remove the other rubber hose from the other syringe, put one half on each syringe, then put your full length hose to the side for the future. You don't need that four inch floppy hose that makes your syringe flop and wiggle and jive around. And then you, you don't get more hose like you get O-rings, you don't get more hose. So then you have a backup hose and you have a syringe that's easier to use. If you cut the little clear piece down to like half, when you release your hand from the syringe, it it kind of stays where it's like in that same neighborhood. If you leave it full length, it just like points at the ground and it develops kinks in it over time. It's just not as good. Well, there's yeah. feedback, SRAM. We need backup hose. <laughs> For suction. In different area codes. Oh, wait, that's something else. Yes. Uh, Nick also has a side question. I have a friend with an older road bike converted to gravel ripper. The bike is probably from the mid-80s and wanted to gift him my not very used Apex One group from the Fargo. Today he's running a two to three generation old Shimano road group. What compatibility issues should I be looking out for on his bike? Uh, That cassette may not fit on that freewheel no he had a 10 speed compatible cassette he's running mountain 11 hg okay which is road 8 9 10 oh okay so two to three generations old we'd have 9100 9000 7900 7800 i mean we have four generations of 10 speed even so like i think there's very low chance that he's running seven speed which would be you know from like the 90s. I don't know. That's what, when you say very old road bike, that's what I think of. Well, no, the bike's from the, it sounds like he's upgraded. The, it's a bike from the 80s with a couple generation old. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about it differently. I was probably drunk then. <laughs> and that answered this question and affirmed what someone else said. Cassette and hub interface are the big ones I can think of. And Matt says, yeah, basically that. I mean, that's the only thing. But now that I'm reading it again, knowing, like I read it, I think how you did as an 80s bike. Yeah. But he's running a two to three generation old Shimano road group. Okay. So, so a newer road group than it, It's been like resto modded once. We're going to like resto mod it again. The wheels work with current stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's done this yet, but put a modern handlebar on it because the old handlebars weren't really made for the shape of the shifter that you're about to put on there. And they just, a new handlebars are just better all around. I mean, yeah, old those old handlebars, handlebars like weren't made for people. <laughs> they can were I, so can bad. Can I give my two cents? Sure. They were track handlebars that had brake levers slapped onto them. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And e- but even newer stuff, you know, say, I don't know, handlebars from 2002 are not as good of a shape as handlebars from right now. 
and an alloy handlebar is not an expensive upgrade. You might have to do some stuff with the stem. You might have to find a bar that has a smaller clamp. I don't know, but I'd put a modern shape handlebar on there to go with the shifters. I nope. went down the rabbit hole. I'm I'm Googling a 2000 Tour de France bike just so I can see how bad it was. <laughs> they were still pretty bad in 2000, by the way. Yeah. Um, we have, while you look at that, I'm going to read the next question from Clayton. Question for the hive mind. How necessary is a half shell mountain bike helmet versus a quality normal vented road helmet? I don't think it really matters. Hold on. I need you to let me see what my Slack response was so I don't contradict myself again. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. It's what I thought it was. I'll read it verbatim. I ride the same road helmet for nearly all rides. I understand the desire for coverage, but they all pass the same uh, safety rating for what it's worth. Yeah, I think that safety rating is like pretty antiquated, and it's like a really silly one where they drop it like straight down from the top of the head. So um, I... Mm, I don't wouldn't put too much stock in that. Maybe they've updated like what everybody uses these days, but I'm not sure that they have. So my personal vote would be the more coverage you can get, the better whenever you can deal with that, whether it's worse ventilation or more weight or whatever. So I I would say more is better on helmet, but I, I, but my, I am full face Kenny. My counter would be like, nothing says like if your, your helmet's not DH rated, right? So there's nothing that prevents it from being paper mache, I guess is my point. Yeah, that's that's any... true. I think all all of my full faces these days are all DH rated. But again, oh. even that standard is like maybe change or they figured out ways to like, even though it meets the standard, you know, I think very obviously a moto style moto weight full face helmet is of course going to be better than the stuff I ride in. It has to be, but they might have the same stamp on it. I don't know. I think the standard's a little different for a motor vehicle, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you I know gotta, like the, you're going to have a dot rating. Well, that's what I'm like saying. A, like a, You may have a bicycle-specific DH-rated helmet that's a more traditional DH helmet that's like pretty much a moto helmet, like an off-road dirt bike moto helmet in, as far as weight uh-huh. and construction, even though it might not be officially you know motor vehicle stamped. And that helmet is yeah. going to be way earlier than my helmet even though we both might have the same dh rating sure yeah totally and you know and I'm, maybe i'm just being naive but like my helmet that offers more coverage like down the back like i see that more applicable to like dirt jumping and things where you're maybe not moving straight down the trail at all times but for me like from my three-quarter face like super dickhead bro helmet to my road helmet, I think it gives me the same, let's say, traditional crash coverage. Just Be- impact protection. Yeah, because nothing's covering up my face. Have you seen right? videos when people go to sleep uh, and they crash down a hill? Because at first they hit something, then they go to sleep, and then every body part hits the ground at some doll. point. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. I'm just, I'm trying to like toe the line here and say, at what point does a company make a helmet weigh 100 grams more and put some more shit on it? And then I'm just trying to put some healthy skepticism that more is always safer, I guess is the way that I put it. I'm not discrediting that a full-face helmet offers more protection. I'm just curious if there's some of these helmets that the way they fit or the way that they're constructed, does it actually 
help. Does it make a real difference if you just bonk your head on the ground like at a normal, what, 99% of the time mountain bike crash? Yeah, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, if you're not OTBing and then ragdolling at 30 miles an hour, is it making much of a change? I mean, and that's my I mean. argument would be that the difference between a road-style helmet and a full-face helmet, those are obviously big differences, but maybe oh, yeah. not a big difference between a three-quarter kind of weird hybrid snowboard, like whatever the cool over-the-ear stuff is that kids wear these days. Um. <laughs> Like that style helmet, because for the most part, every time I saw someone get super hurt in a mountain bike crash wearing a regular helmet, it's because they hit the front of their face. So sure, yeah, that and I think three quarter helmet's we're not here. really gonna help you there. That's what I'm trying to. We're we're agreeing, and you're helping me articulate this, which is if you're not covering up the front of your face, then are you just luring yourself into feeling more protected? Because I, you're right, you can crash and then go to sleep and hit the back of your head. But you usually hit the front of your head before you hit the back of your head, is I guess where I'm going. So, so like the difference between the protection a road helmet offers versus the half-shell mountain bike helmet is maybe like, I don't know, arbitrary number, 5%. Yeah. So it's not really that much. If you really, really want to feel like you're protected or and actually be protected, then the full face is the answer. Yeah, and I think if I could go back in time and not buy my three-quarter helmet, I'd probably buy an ultra-lightweight full-face helmet, something that's maybe not even DH-rated, but still just offers like some chin coverage. Yeah, yeah. But, so I, I think that's that's probably a good way to put it. And, whereas like when I ride my trials bike and I would throw on my three-quarter helmet, it's like, cool, I'm going eight miles an hour in my yard max, but I may hit my the back of my head on this log if I go over it wrong. Yeah, I think that's, that's how true. I'm thinking about it. I looked up an old 2000s bike, and good God, that handlebar just has the like <laughs> most ungodly shape. Like That is terrible. And there's so few spokes in that wheel, and they're so close <laughs> together. It's a paired spoke Bontrager wheel. Okay, we got one more question. Also from Clayton. My buddy is looking at buying a new bike and is going to a Reeb demo. I was checking out their bikes and noticed the Squeeb 130 is 160 millimeter slash 130 millimeter. So 160 front, 130 rear. I thought this was quite a big difference between the front and the back, but I'm not a suspension designer. Do you think this setup would encourage your encourage your you to ride front heavy? Well, what could be the reason? A hardtail is 100 millimeters different. Oh God, Kenny! <laughs> I want to read my my response in Slack on the air. So, uh, what could be the reason for having such a large difference in travel front and back? I'm hopping in because Andy Ray's voice is dying. Um, I've never seen a 30 millimeter difference, and then sends a link to it, and then open it up. I want to read my reply on the air, <laughs> so I don't contradict myself again because I'm pretty sure I said that like pretty much verbatim. I mean. My my reply was, I mean, we ride 120 millimeter bikes without thinking about it too much. Think my Escra Hey Duke, it isn't even ultra wacky. So, like, my Hey Duke isn't a weird bike. I did ride that 140 fork on the hardtail also. Yeah. And then I say, I think somewhere along the way, folks said that once you have over 100 or more rear, you must only have XX more in the front. So, at some point, we just said, well, if you have 100 in the rear, you can go to 120 in the front. If you've got 120 in the rear, you can go to 140 in the front. And 
I think this goes back to when people wanted to build inch bikes. You know, it was a six inch travel bike. So it'd be like a five inch rear with a six inch fork, you know, right? Like, I mean, I don't think I want to geometry tuned correctly. I don't think I want to ride a DH bike with a 200 millimeter dual crown and a hundred in the rear. That'd probably suck. (laughs) Right. But if it was tuned really well, it might not be that bad. I mean, what's the most you've ever ridden out of series, Kenny? Um, I don't know. Probably the RKT one twenty ninety. Yeah, and it was fine, right? Yeah, it was actually fantastic. There, there's <laughs> no. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. It's like. I mean, really, how big of a fork do you want to ride with? I think that's probably the more important answer. Um, the rear just kind of follows. So if you're going to, if you want to just rally bikes through gigantic rock gardens, like, yeah, maybe you want some more rear travel. Or if you like doing giant drops and that kind of stuff, probably some more rear suspensions, a good plan. Other than that, just figure out how big of a fork you can tolerate. Yeah, I rode that, uh, not Firebird. Um, switchblade switchblade for a summer it was 160 130 wasn't it i think so it might have been 150 it was 150 or 160 it was big in the front it had a 36 on it that's what it was it was 150 130 i think yeah and it was you know i i don't feel like i ride fast enough to say like the the front end of the bike started to write checks the ass end couldn't cash but you know, that's the thing I would kind of look out for if you really are getting super rowdy with it. But, you know, I certainly did not find that to be the case. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the only thing I'd be wary of if I was looking at a bike with that big of a difference. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's really relevant to everyone. That is all of our patron questions and all of our listener questions. So... If you want to... The Switchblade was 160, 135. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, If you want to participate with our patrons, with other JRA listeners, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. And that is... In the arms of an angel. For as little as $3 a month, you too can join our Patreon. Oh, is look, that like one of those g- like sad dog sponsored commercials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Look, I, get, I, I love I dogs. I see where you're going. And I, I, I got to say, if you're like, I'm going to give $3 a month to a charity, and it's either going to be JRA or the starving dogs that have been beaten, just go ahead and give it to the dogs. No, okay? I mean, <laughs> wait, what? Buy us a pizza. Hey. No, no, I just, I, I really like dogs, so. I really like pizza. Shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not a heartless monster. Um, I'm actually I mean, a big yeah, softy for dogs. Yeah, dogs are way more important than we are. So, yeah. But if you've got $6, you're going to give three to the dogs and three to somebody else, then motherfucking hit us up. Yeah, yeah I mean. Matt's, we, Matt's only a heartless monster dogs. when he's poor. So Yeah, so like Matt and hey. I have dogs, so we can definitely spend that money on dogs if you give us money through Patreon. So, and Kenny might get a dog, right? Sure, might. I yeah, I like, like dogs, patron, I just don't want to own a dog. <laughs> no, that's right. They'd be your companion, not your property. Just lean into it, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> if we get five more patrons in the next 5 minutes, Kenny will buy a dog. He'll adopt one of the dogs from the sad dog commercial. <laughs> so, 
yeah, if you want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash justwritingalong. And when you join, you will get a message from probably me sending you, Definitely a, link, you. a link to join our Slack channel and you can chat with other JRA patrons. You'll also have access to any blog posts that I make on my personal blog, which may or may not have any value to you. But Holy shit, we forgot one thing and we're going to talk about it right now at the end. What? Bad Jack's Trail Fest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, I, we, I even wrote it down and we just totally ignored it. Did you know about this, Kenny? Nope. Someone broke into the JRA. They, they got in their time machine. They went to the future. They listened to that episode that we recorded last, and then they went back in time, and they started doing exactly what we wanted to do, which is Solomon's Revenge in is, October. C- is coming back as a different race under a different director called Bad Jack's Trail Fest. It's going to be a three-day event that has a race in October. There you go. Does it have a log pull? I hope so. Ask Jeff Gannon. Be like, can there be a log pull? Because I think no, they need to add that patron. to the World Cup, and every race needs to be like an Omnium type thing, and you not only get points for the special event, but it also gives you start placement for the cross-country race. I thought I thought that was just the XEO short track. It is, but I want more things oh, added man, to that. that would be so because good. Because I want to have two things at least. I want to have a log pull, and I want to have a hill climb. How awesome would okay, we have- how awesome would the hill climb be? Because it would be unbelievably spectator friendly, and you just have them climb this gnarly thing that just gets steeper and steeper and steeper, and it's whoever makes it the furthest. Like it's so easy to understand, and it would be awesome and hilarious. That would Wait be so good. So I know that. Um, so one of our patrons, Jeff, sent us this, or told told Matt about this event. I think that we need to get in touch with the promoter and make this suggestion it's not necessarily an omnium but you do have an event like a hill climb or time trial for seating for the start of the cross-country race so you don't have the gigantic rush up that road to get on the trail yeah and the the time trial would just be that road yeah, you could do that. You could do a short track race. You could do something. Well, there's no place out there for that many people to short track. Yeah, you could figure something out. Or just do a time trial at Greens Loop. You know, Can you, you don't Greens need much quickly? space for uh, a log pull. <laughs> uh, I got it for you. Let's put them together. Log pull time trial. So you have to pull a log up the opening climb. There you go. There you go. All right, well... That is a good note to end our show on. And, man, we should go do that race. That might be good. That would be, I think, during uh, hunting season, too. We could get, do a little whitetail hunting. It would be during hunting season here, wouldn't it? October? Yeah. No. Oh, all right, then. I mean, there are hunting. There's a pronghorn hunting seasons going on then, but I didn't get a tag. So, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. And good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great back.